0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Please consider supporting Black Women United, Y-E-G, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, Y-E-G, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca.
0: Hey, my name's Adam from Toronto, Ontario, and I subscribe to the Creative Control Patreon because I feel that uh, at the end of the day, uh, there are very few people in the industry who are able to consistently get the kind of quality interviews out of very diverse subjects of many creative stripes and disciplines, as Vish does pretty well on every episode of the podcast. It's a no-brainer to me that I want to support this when you factor that in to uh, all of the bonus content you get on Patreon, and, you know, it's a listener-supported podcast, so uh, I want to keep the uh, great content coming. So that's why you should also support Creative Control on Patreon.
2: To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today.
1: Bob Young is a writer and budding musician based near Peterborough, Ontario. The older brother of music icon Neil Young, Bob Young is a golf writer and golf enthusiast who began writing and recording songs just recently at 78 years old. In late October of 2020, Bob released the single and video for his first song, Hey America, which features contributions by Neil Young, Melissa Payne, and from the greatest rock and roll band, in the whole wide world, the Sadies, Travis Good, and Mike Belitsky. Bob and I had a nice chat recently about his sudden songwriting spark, an encounter he had with a UFO as a boy, how he and his brother got into music, his dad, the late sports writer Scott Young's influence on his kids, Neil's relationship with Bob Dylan, future plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One network with the support of listeners like you Who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, plus in kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 590th episode of Creative Control, featuring the very fascinating and talented Bob Young with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi Bob, how you doing there?
3: Very well, thank you.
1: It's nice to uh, speak with you. Uh, first of all, where in the world are you exactly? I'm, I'm, I'm just so you know, I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, where I live now. Where in the world are you?
3: I am in Ontario, uh, near Peterborough, in the Kawartha Lakes uh, district, on Stony Lake. Oh, very. Caudy, overlooking the water. It's a very. Uh, it's a beautiful place, actually. Got a great view. An old wooden, uh, pretty old. Got a big stone fireplace in it. Lots of pine, pine uh, wall, ceiling, hardwood, maple floor. It's quite a very comfortable big kitchen. I like it. So I'm here in solitary splendor, I can, uh, <laughs> which is good if you're trying to write anything. It's a good idea to have solitude.
1: Absolutely. Now you say cottage for Canadians. Cottage connotes uh, you know a little a vacation spot, time away from your. Your regular home? Do you live in the cottage regularly, or are you are you away from home?
3: Uh, no, I, uh, we've, I've got this place for a year, right until the end of October of next year, and uh, I'll probably go somewhere south as long as I can find somewhere safe to go that I can return to Canada from. I'm working on that. I have a golf book that'll be coming out uh, probably in the early spring of next year in the United States, and I'm working on a second one. So I need to go somewhere this winter where I can actually hit golf balls and bright. And uh, it's hard to hit golf balls in the middle of winter in Canada, so. And then the other thing I'm doing is, uh, I have other songs besides Hey America, and uh, I'm thinking of three of them actually that I could record in one shot, maybe before I, you know, sometime later this month or early in December. I guess it'd be early in December now, since the month is almost over. However, it's uh, the songwriting is a new one on me. The other writing I've been doing for a long time, and I like it. The songwriting is a totally new experience.
1: Yeah, I want to get into that too, because uh, it's a pretty extraordinary story that you, uh, from what I can tell, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You've written what your very first song, really, at uh, at a, an older age. Is that fair to say?
3: Yeah, the, uh, the first one that I, that's recorded is this song, Hey America. I did write another song, or part of it. I just bang away on the guitar every once in a while, I think of something to see if I can sing along with myself. And I, but I've never really done it uh, with the intention of recording or performing. The only performing I've ever done playing anything is the video on Hey America. That was it, that was the first shot. And that was a second take, which is what you're seeing when you look at that video. Pretty remarkable. The second take was a little bit of that, that's mixing. Pretty, bit, you
1: know. Yeah, quite quite remarkable that that's uh, a two-take uh, performance in that video and that you're starting, uh, you know, that you've, you've taken this time uh, in your life to uh, to mark your first public appearance. Now, you mentioned there's a lot swimming around here because you mentioned golf. And, uh uh, and, and now you've got this song about uh, ostensibly inspired by Donald Trump, "Hey America," and he has become quite synonymous with the sport of golf. I've often pondered this recently. Like, I wonder how golf is doing that one of their most famous, you know, proponents of their sport is is Donald Trump. As a golf fan yourself, what do you make of the fact that the Trump is, you know, such an avid golfer? A hypocritical golfer, you know, he claimed Obama spent all his time golfing. And I'll know I won't have time to be golfing, and yet here we are. The guy's golfing all the time. Still at the last days of his presidency. As a golf fan, what do you how do you feel that Donald Trump is a as a you know, such a famous golfer?
3: Well I know there's a famous golfer. He's famous because he's the president of the United States. And uh, I think he's also famous because of the High regard that he holds himself in and doesn't okay. mind telling everybody but how great he is all the time. I mean, you know, when he showed up, you, you can't miss him, let's face it. I mean, he's, if you turn on the tele, turn off the television, the radio, and you refuse to even look at anything in your phone or listen to anybody else's uh, comments, you still couldn't escape the fact that Trump is the president of the United States. I mean, I, I what is it? In golf? He owns golf courses where you build houses. He's in the real estate construction business is what he really is. And golf course developments are good for that business because there's a lot of land involved, a lot of high end housing, gated communities, stuff like that that you can make a lot of money with if you know what you're doing and uh, whatever he's doing with all that stuff is what he was doing. And I think he still is doing it. And maybe he'll go back to doing it soon uh, unless something transpires. What I have no idea, I wonder. And uh, actually, I didn't write that song about Donald Trump, but, I mean, because the song started a couple of years ago, I was sitting in a little pub in uh, the beaches area of Toronto called Captain Jack with a friend of mine who's a lawyer. And uh, Trump was on television, and i have forgotten what he was talking about right now. But I, I got a piece of paper from the bartender and a pen, and I wrote down a few lines <laughs> And found I could sing them actually, or play them when I got home. Picked up my guitar, and it just gradually I added to it. But I wasn't trying to do anything except amuse myself until uh, where was I? I was in Florida and I played it for a friend of mine there who actually voted for Trump. And she was, uh, her original perception of Trump was he's a loud-mouthed idiot, but she voted for him now. She defends him anyhow. I, re- I was working on this song under the line in it that says uh, hey America give love a chance it's the beacon of freedom set your liberty free and there's a chord change into that line set your liberty free and uh, it gives it some life and uh, when she was listening to this and her eyes popped open and I thought you know actually maybe this song's got a future so I just kept I wasn't trying to do anything until I got the whole thing figured out. I sent it to my brother. He really likes it, which is why he's involved in the, uh, the version of it that's out there on YouTube. He's, he's involved in that thing, not because he's my brother, but because he really thinks the song's great. So that's why he's involved in it, and because of, of his stature, it obviously made it easier to get it uh, noticed. And that's how it got on YouTube. I mean, it went to Neil's website, Neil Young Archives, hmm. and then within a couple of hours, it was in Rolling Stone magazine site and um, YouTube, and it got. I don't follow all that stuff, so I think right now it's it had something like 116 or 17,000 views in a little under a month. I don't know how it stacks up against other songs that kind of go out there for the first time, but it. Uh, you know that many people have actually sat down and listened to it, or turned the thing on. Maybe they turned it off. I don't know what they <laughs> did. But, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a participant in this thing, but I'm also a spectator. <laughs> if you can follow that logic, kind of I an mean, look a, at that kind of an out of
1: on. kind of an out of body experience. You, you're saying, in a sense,
3: well, I, I wouldn't go that far I'm not out of my body doing it. But uh, frankly, it's obvious playing music. And singing, doing that kind of a thing, the best thing you can do is not think about it and just know it so well that you could do it while you're thinking about something else. Hmm. My perception of it, just from the little experience I've got, is that one of the keys to a good performance is, if you can do it, is to recall the creative energy that caused you to write the song in the first place. If you can tap into that and just let it happen... It's uh, better than not doing it that way. Neil has a a, a view of recording music and uh, and performing that's interesting. He said, "No thinking." That's right. That's I mean, that's it. No thought. There's a a Greek word called nepenthe, which is uh, means no thought, no sorrow. So you just have to have a quiet mind and and proceed and play the thing, I guess. So I, and I've got some more songs. I've been mulling it over, I, uh, you know, what I'm going to do with them. And uh, they're all associated. I, I've got several songs, but three of them, I think they could, the word that comes to my mind is trilogy, because they all have the same basic subject matter and are, are instigated because of an experience I had early in my life when I was 9 or 10 years old. And it's stuck in my head for all this time, you know, for <laughs> 68 or 9 years. And uh, and I think it's relevant to what's going on right now. So I've got these three songs and I'm thinking of getting the same band together and say, okay, here they are, play them, send them a, an email with the song in it and say just learn the song and uh, we'll get together and take a shot at just like a band performance live to air you know and, mm. uh, which is how we did the first one. Do you- no rehearsal? nothing.
1: Yeah. Do you mind, uh, expanding upon that experience you're talking about? I, I, I don't know that story. Uh, no. you said when you were a child, you, you had an experience and that may have, uh, inspired this trilogy of songs. Uh, what was that experience if you're, if you're willing to share?
3: Well, it would be, uh, you yeah, it was in probably 1951 or 52, somewhere in there. Uh, what, what it boils down to is in broad daylight, in a very rural section of Ontario near where we lived, which is still, frankly, it doesn't look any different now than it did when I was a kid. But I saw a flying saucer in broad daylight in an open field and it was very close to me. And uh, it sat there. It it uh, arrived in front of me. And uh, actually, when I got I, I was we were cruising down this trail, my mother and I. She pulled into just off the, the trail, and it is a trail to this day. I jumped out of the car, went through a fence, ran down the trail before she even got herself you know, the door open and got herself organized. And uh, we were just driving around, actually, uh, before the hunting season opened to see if there was any partridge, rough, gross, actually, is what they really are, wandering around in this area that I hunted in when I was a kid. So I ran, I got out of the car, went through the fence, and we'd been there before, so she knew where I was going. And I looked to my left under the lower branches of some big trees, big maples, and I could see something floating along off the ground. And I knew it was off the ground because I could see underneath it across this very little shallow meadow to the trees on the other side of it. So I knew the thing was airborne, but it didn't make any noise. And, uh, It wasn't an airplane, I didn't know what it was. So anyhow, the direction it was going in, uh, I knew where it was going. I knew the angle of the meadow it was in. So I ran down this trail, uh, knowing that if I just ran, that it would arrive where I was going to, and it did. And it stopped right in front of me. It was less than 100 yards away. And it sat there, and I looked at it, and it looked at me, and then it flew away in my line of vision, very quickly and then stopped dead but I could see it because it was right in my line of vision then it went to my right and it just its speed (laughs) it might have been similar to the speed that it flew away from me in but I could see it as a right angle it accelerated and very quickly just disappeared like poof it was gone vaporized or whatever and uh, it stuck in my mind needless to say because you wouldn't ever forget something like that and i never said anything to my mother about it i was surprised but i knew that i'd seen it a flying saucer i also at that point in my life i could read i was born in 1942 so this is i was eight nine ten years old i was reading novels then i could read the newspaper the united states and russia were having a contest to see who could blow up the biggest atomic weapon and right in that area, I remember seeing the number number 52 on the front page of the newspaper. But there was a huge, when all those atomic tests were going on, there was a huge number of UFO sightings all over the place. If you looked into it, you'd see that that's true. And so I knew what I had seen. I also knew immediately that all of the denials that it was taking place were lies that the government was telling. That's one of the lines in this song. You know, hmm. government says you doesn't don't exist, or they don't exist, the flying saucers. Government says they don't exist. Swamp gas and weather balloons just lies to hide the truth, which is frankly exactly what it was. It still is, except they're starting to admit that it was real. And that's interesting also. And Trump, Trump has actually been involved in creating or appearing to create, The Space Force, another branch of the U.S. military. But anybody, frankly, I'll say this, and then I should probably talk about something else. (laughs) Uh, the, The speed that that thing moved at and the fact that it could vanish, it means to me this. Their technology is so far superior to ours that it isn't even a contest. And they've been cruising around here for a long time. So who's really running what's going on in the planet Earth? Probably invisibly. My guess it's some combination of races that come from other planets, and that we have things here that they like or that they want. Maybe gold. Who knows what and what else ever else there is. It's a very interesting thing. So I wrote these. That's that song. The first one. It's right after I wrote the uh, uh, Hey America right around the same time I finished it. Then I wrote this other song and it just came to me all at once. I see. The whole song. I see. So I wrote it, I I sang it. And, uh, now I've got two other songs that are derivative of that. So a trilogy of flying saucer songs.
1: That sounds really fascinating. And, And as you were speaking, I think just given who you are, I was reminded of your brother's song, ride my llama, where he's talking about, uh, I met a man from Mars, and I wondered if if you can. Cause yeah, you, I
3: met a man from Mars. Yeah, that's right. Picked up one of my guitars and played a traveling song. That's
1: correct, right? So, was
3: lining like that.
1: So, I wonder if if you can think of. I don't know if that might have any of. It. I guess I'm what I'm wondering is because you're sort of new to songwriting, but you're clearly a good storyteller. Have you ever told your brother a story that you could, that you now See, as some may you know, has maybe influenced any of his music, any of his songs. Uh, like, did you tell your brother this story? And then, did that
3: inspire? Well, he knows, he knows, he knows the song I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, this the, the Flying Saucer song. That song, it hasn't been copywritten yet, so I'm not sure that I should divulge what it's going to be called. At any rate, it's uh. It's oh. not going to be called flying Saucer Song. It's going to be called something else. No, no, no. The line.
1: No, no, that's that's fine. I guess what I'm saying is you you had this experience when you are nine years old. I'm sure you shared it with your family. Did yeah. you share it with your brother? Uh, does he know that you saw uh,
3: Well, not at the time I didn't. I didn't talk to anybody about it. Oh. And one of the reasons was, I was going to mention this earlier, and then it slipped my mind, the uh, opposition to giving uh, – Validity to claims that people were making of seeing what was called UFOs, unidentified flying objects, was that, uh, no, you're seeing things. There's something wrong with the way your mind works. It's swamp gas. It's meteorites. It's all sorts of things, everything except what it really was. So the government was determined to just thwart any effort of giving that whole conversation validity. And their so-called excuse at this point is they didn't want to create a panic. That's Mm. part of their excuse. Sure. I don't buy that either. I think what they really wanted to do was figure out, and they still want to do it, is figure out what the propulsion system is that those the technology that allows these things to fly that fast. Okay. I mean, the speed of light is one hundred and eighty-six thousand miles a second. These characters are going at least faster than that. Like okay. the speed of thought. So you haven't, it.
1: You had this experience and you didn't really share it with anyone, you're saying, until you
3: wrote this song? I didn't because I didn't want to put myself in position as a kid at 9 or 10 years old who was talking about this because of the criticism. When the, criti- the word criticism is mild, yeah. you look at the record, you'll find that the mentality of people who claim to see these things was being challenged. There's something wrong with the way your mind works, right? I could read. I read all that stuff, and I thought, well, from that day forward, or whatever age I was, yeah, I was eight, nine, ten years old, somewhere in that. I knew that uh, it was pointless. I couldn't see any reason to say anything, I so see. I kept it to myself. Okay,
1: no, you didn't tell your family I, or I anything. Interesting. told my
3: mother. You, yeah.
1: You, okay, interesting. So I want to get to this uh, this songwriting burst of yours um correct me if I'm wrong uh you're around 78 now Bob is that correct
3: yes I am
1: yeah mm-hmm. happy birthday I don't know when your birthday is I just want to be nice and say my happy birthday, birthday. in April oh happy birthday yeah. happy belated birthday I'm sorry I didn't send you a card but we didn't know each other in April so i I it's just the way it worked out but my by the way very good friends of mine are good friends of yours I think Travis good Mike Belitsky of the Sadies Travis yeah dear dear, dear friends of mine so we i I should have sent you a card i feel bad anyway next april you're getting a card for me bob that's the way it's going to work my point my point here is i am fascinated by the fact that it you're 78 and releasing and recording your first songs is there anything about songwriting music that you just as a sibling thought you know what that's my brother neil's deal I'm not going to do that. That's what he does. Is there, is there any reason why you've taken this long to k- express yourself musically?
3: Well, I, I can say this when I was 30 years old, I, I bought a piano and I lived in a little coach house north of, uh, Casa in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I discovered I could actually play the thing. It took me a bit of time, but I figured out a way to play it. And, uh, once in a while, it would cross my mind that you know that I had a lot more talent for doing something like that than I'd ever really thought about. I wasn't thinking about it; I was thinking about playing golf, yeah, uh, competitive golf, and that's what I was doing. But I remember, uh, since you mentioned it, I remember thinking to myself one day, I wonder what would happen if I really paid attention to this. And it did, you know. I thought, do I, you know, I, I, I knew what Neil was doing by that time. You know, Crosby, Souls Nash and Young was famous. Yeah. They were the North American Beatles, and uh, I thought I don't really need to, you know, do I really need to get involved in this? I should maybe I should have because it was relatively easy for me to do what I was doing, but I didn't really. I thought I don't know anything about this. I don't know why, well, you know, what I'm doing. I find a few chords in the piano and bang away on them, and that's about it. But I little did I know <laughs> that a lot of these guys who are famous singer-songwriters, they did the same thing when they were starting, when they were a lot younger than I was. Yeah. And uh, they you know, watch guitar players. They're playing all these songs in three or four chords, and the dynamic of the way they play them is what makes the song and, and the lyrical content of it. Whatever the creative spark was that created the song in the first place, that's its energy. That part of it is none of this is mysterious to me. I can see it as plain as day. What's that? I have a piano here where I am now. I got it. And uh I got a one hundred and one year old Heinzmann Upright Cabinet Grand. Oh wow. Yeah, it sounds good. And I got a guitar. Uh you know, so I got them both. So I stare at them and say, All right, what am I gonna do with this next? (laughs) And uh I better do it soon or it won't matter.
1: I'm I'm drawing upon a little bit of the biographical knowledge I have in my head. I have nothing in front of me here. To my recollection, uh, your father was a a journalist, uh, well-known as a sports writer, as I recall. Uh, Was there a lot of—I don't know. uh, I can't draw as many—first of all, hopefully that's correct. I'm drawing this from my memory. Uh, Secondly, I I can't recall um, exactly what your mother's role might have been in— in having music in the house was there i guess my the, the question i have is was there a lot of music in your in your yeah. in your house growing up Were your parents sharing music were they playing music anything like that yeah.
3: yeah that's a good that's a good point you're making there uh when we were kids living in omimi um my mother played all sorts of classical music popular music all of it so we heard it all including uh, on the radio in that play in that neck of the woods in ontario you get wheeling west virginia on the radio and the car radio, so radios or all the country stuff too right sticks in my mind and my father we uh, would sing sometimes my uncle bob would come over we had a pump organ and uncle bob was really a great musician and his three daughters he taught to sing and they were as good as any trio of women that existed, the Ames sisters of any of still, mm-hmm. you know, they, they could really sing. Mm-hmm. And my my grandmother and my father's side of the family played the piano and sang. And my aunt, her daughter, was also a great singer. And uh, it's there, obviously. But my mother played a lot of music. And then when I was 17 and Neil was, I guess he was 14 years old, my, our parents separated. My mother and Neil went to Winnipeg. Right. And he created a band called the Squires. Yep, and it was his first band. And you know they played community centers. They played wherever anybody would go, pay them. And uh, including they went to Churchill in Manitoba. They played in Thunder, what's now Thunder Bay, Fort William, Port Arthur in those days, mm-hmm. and other little places here and there. And the uh, the guess who Randy Randy's band, Randy Backman and Jimmy Kale and those guys. Yep. Uh, They were part of the local scene. And uh, that's where Neil got started with doing that. And he, it's funny, uh, in this forward for this golf book that I was talking about a while ago, Neil's writing a forward and I mentioned something to him about music and, and golf, actually. Mo Norman, who is, if you don't play golf, you might never have heard of him, but He was the only person seriously compared to Ben Hogan as a striker of golf balls, as somebody who could actually, the ball went where it was supposed to go all the time. Mm -hmm. The great players out there to this day know who he is. Anyhow, Mo always said to me, and I had hundreds of thousands of golf balls practicing with him for over a long, I knew him for 40 years. And uh, it was a very interesting association. But Mo always said, It's like music, and he meant the creation of music, the creation of the shot to be becoming the shot that is so that the ball flies through the air the way you want it to fly to where you want it to get to. Right. It's very much similar, and he said you have to have a quiet mind. My brother says to the people that he's playing with, no thinking. Right, yeah. No thinking. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, and it, it makes it easier to produce what you want to hear. So he does that with music. And it's very, the, the mindset is a quiet mind. That part of it I get from playing a lot of golf and being good at it. Right. And, and uh, the musical part of it, I need to take that idea that I understand for golf and apply it even more to playing a guitar or a piano. For some reason, it's easier for me with a piano. That's so interesting. That's yeah.
1: that's pretty interesting. Yeah, keeping your eye on the ball, keeping your eye on the keys or the strings. Maybe there's something to that. Perhaps uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a novice golfer myself. Now you you're an interesting dynamic with your brother. I presume, Bob, based on your interest in golf, your knowledge of golf as a golfer, you're up here, uh, and and I mean, your brother as a musician is is way up here. You know, one of the greatest to ever do it compare your golf games if you're up here <laughs> as a golfer where's your brother does your brother play a lot of golf and if he does how does exactly. he rank
3: he doesn't play a lot but he's got he's got a good golf swing and he's flexible limber ah but he doesn't you know he doesn't go out there and hit four or five hundred golf balls a day
1: no okay
3: and and uh, and that's what you have to do even if you know what you're doing then it becomes extremely refined right and the same thing is true in my view of playing a guitar or the piano, what I should do in this place that I'm in, since there's nothing else to do around here right now, is play the piano a lot yeah. and the guitar. The more you play it, the easier it gets and you figure out what makes it happen properly. And, uh, I, you know, I sink into that frame of mind that is uh, uh, very creative uh, when I'm by myself. Hmm. And I notice it. I notice when it sounds good and I notice when it doesn't. But when it does sound good, it's always for the same reason. You get glued to it mentally yeah, and just let it happen. Don't interfere with it. As David Briggs, who produced a lot of crazy horse records, says, be great or be gone.
1: That's right. <laughs> a lot of key.
3: <laughs> lot of... Be great or be gone. Yeah,
1: There's lots of key phrases and sayings that have come out of uh, your brother's uh, world there, you know. Uh, you know, no thinking. Be great or be gone. Yeah, I can think of all those things as you're, as you're speaking. Um, so your brother just celebrated his seventy fifth birthday, um, and uh, you know, people celebrated that who love your brother. Did you communicate with him uh, on his birthday? And, and if so, yeah. if so, if you don't mind, uh, you know, what do you want to say about this? Your brother's seventy five, an icon. If you can share any yeah. insights about that uh, exchange you have, uh, you had with him, and and anything else you want to say about him, uh, you know. Well,
3: as a matter of fact, when you called me on his birthday, we were all together. That's why I couldn't talk to you. I said I was at a birthday party. That's where I was. I should have asked
1: a follow up question. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I figured that afterwards i said i can't talk to you right now I thought he's gonna eventually i'll tell him why but uh you know that was the reason we had my cousin and her husband and uh my sister Astrid and uh um uh, me and uh it was a it was a good uh it was a good gathering very small you know um just a you know a few people and uh it's uh, just a little family gathering, and we'll probably try to do some, something similar at Christmas. I hope we do. The traveling's not getting any easier these days.
1: Yeah, I, I um, gather from the video you made for Hey America that your brother came up here. Does he come to Ontario or Canada often for such things? or Once in a while. Yeah. Once
3: yeah. in a while, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you know, when you come here, you have to go through quarantine for a couple of weeks. and So that was... Uh, as soon as the quarantine ended, he came in and did what he did in that song, play the harmonica, and we discussed. We discussed the mix. It's interesting because he knows exactly what to do with stuff like that. Yeah, I I listened to it. And he said, "What do you think?" And I said, "I want to hear more of Melissa Payne's vocal. She's playing the fiddle in the song. Yeah, I want to hear more of Melissa Payne's vocal. So either the rest of it, the volume has to be diminished, or her vocal has to be." lift it, whatever you have to do to create that that presence of that female vocal. And then uh, we need uh, some vocal power in the bridge at the end of the song. And uh, Neil played the harmonica, and he and uh, Melissa and Travis sang the vocal uh, harmonies uh, in the section of the song. You can see it in the video. Yeah, yeah. It all looks like they were together, but they did it. I think they call it a locked shot or something like that from the video recorder's perspective. So when then they glue it together, um, it looks like they're all in the same place at the same time when they really aren't. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So
2: what happened
3: actually with that, with the, in the, in the uh, section of the song where they're singing that uh, phrase, the USA, the USA, the USA. When I, when we recorded it, I breathed in the wrong place. So I didn't have enough air to raise the note up in that section of the song where it says the USA, the USA, make, you know, show the world why you came to be the USA, the USA, the USA, and I wanted to lift it up, so when, when they when they recorded the vocal part, I sang it to Melissa, and I said, this is what I wanted to do, but I breathed in the wrong place, and, and uh, I didn't have enough power to do it, so I just sang the note. I said, this is the note I wanted to hear. So they got to that hand above it a little bit, so it really worked, and the oh, harmonica nice. part helped with it.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's cool, and I'm, it's it must be nice for you to work with your brother for the like on something like this for the first time in in your lives, really. What's that like for
3: you? Yeah. Well, it, it was a, it was an organic occurrence. I think Neil, as I said earlier, he would never have been involved in it if he didn't think the song was really good, and. Uh, that's why he did it. He really liked the song. I mean, if he'd written the song, we would have heard about it a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, probably, we would have heard it before I got to it. Let me put it that way. So now, I don't know. The songs used to get a good reception, and uh, it's obvious. Like you know, if you're going to do something like that, I got other songs. I might as well do it from my perspective. <laughs> It's like a movie that I'm in, but I'm also helping make it. Yeah. So I'm sitting, I'm a participant, but I'm the spectator. I'm watching my own movie. Yeah. I'm watching myself make a movie. I guess that uh, may sound unusual. However, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm totally relaxed with it.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: There's nothing at stake here for me. I think the song, Hey America, is relevant to what's going on in the United States now. Even more relevant than it was when I wrote it, which was not all that long ago.
1: Well, it's a song now, about yeah, it's a song to bring people together, I think, and to to galvanize people. And you know, post election, that really needs to happen. So I think you're right. It is more relevant maybe than when you released it in some ways.
3: Well, the line in it is "Hey America, let no one steal your power." When I wrote that, I was actually thinking of the relationship between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. Hmm. And I'm still thinking about that. Right. I think there's a relevant, I don't know what was going on between them. I don't know his business relationship in any detail with the Russian banking system, with Putin or anybody else. And uh, But I think that it needs to be put on the table. I think the American public needs to understand exactly what is going on there, so that an intelligent assessment of what is now occurring can be made by the people in the country who are paying the bills and voting yeah, and and uh, entrusting the public trust to these individuals they vote for, and we're watching it. This uh, senatorial election in Georgia, I think it's on the fourteenth of December. Yeah, uh, that is the think, fact in the fire.
1: Yeah, I think it, it's, the
3: 10th. it's I th- in early December. I
1: think the actual vote occurs January. 5th. Fifth or something, but you might be right. I can't recall. There is so many dates floating around, but anyway, yeah, that's an important. uh, That's a that's an important race uh, for sure. That's
3: it because that the uh, the power of the Senate is is on the uh, is right there. It's sitting on the table, and that's what that's about. The Democrats win those two seats; they then have they have a majority in the Senate. And if they don't, and Mitch McConnell uh, retains the kind of control that he's exhibited over the last few years and during Obama's administration. Yeah. I think it it, it, it definitely, it's a critical, critical election. Those two senators in that state, the fat's in the fire of the United States. It's a big, big deal. It's interesting. uh, It's
1: interesting to me that you live in Ontario. I mean, I'm, I live in Canada too, and I'm, maybe overly invested in the news about the American election, but you you took the initiative to write a song. Your brother lives in the States and has been outspoken about uh, political issues in his music. But, yeah, it's fascinating to me that you would write a song like this for America, about America, while living, you know, in, in Peterborough, basically, Peterborough, Ontario. Um, you just, but America is significant to you as a place. Do you spend a lot of time down there?
3: Well, I have, and I have a lot of relatives in the United States, apart from my brother and his family. And uh, my, I have an aunt that lived in Texas. She passed away years ago. Her son was an upper-level uh, intelligence community uh, member at Langley. And uh, I remember in the CIA, and once, once I was looking for him, I called the Central Intelligence Agency and said, I'm trying to find uh, <laughs> my cousin. I know it's working there. I gave him the name. Right? They denied he existed, so I called. I called my cousin in Winnipeg, and I said, "Janice, where's the number for Raymond?" So they gave me the phone number, and I got him on the phone. I said, "They won't even admit you're alive." He said, "I'm not surprised." <laughs> so Man, well, they right, might.
1: They might have. Instant. They might have been like, "Hey, the UFO kid's calling us. Finally, we got to get him off the phone."
3: I don't know. That was, that, was a long, that was quite some time ago that that happened. Yeah, yeah. And then my mother, my mother lived in Florida for 25 years. When I was a child, Neil and our family went to Florida in the wintertime in 1951 and 1953, mm-hmm. right after Christmas, and we went both went to school in a place called New Smyrna Beach, just on the Atlantic coast of uh, Florida on the northern side of the Canaveral Park, which is where the Cape is, yep. and just south of Daytona and uh to this day i have friends there that i you know i've known people there, and i spent a lot of time in florida in 2018 i was there for probably five months in the winter hmm. maybe a little longer and then in 2019 i was there also and uh i maintain associations with people there and i have when i played golf that's where we went okay in the winter okay mo was there mo norman was there all of our our golf bro friends and uh So I've got that association with the United States. But apart from that, I mean, my dad was in the news media in Canada as a sports columnist, author, television personality, uh, writer of books. And our family friends were actually became people that got known nationally here. Mm -hmm. Farley Mowat, Pierre Burton, June Colwood, June Frayne. I knew them all as a child because they were all family friends, all raiders trying to stay alive. Wow! With writing That's, what they were actually trying to do. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I grew up and surrounded with the news media and people who were thinking, paying attention to what was going on in the world. Mm-hmm. So I have always done that. Neil does the same thing. Yeah. Just have a natural pay attention to what's going on in the country because it's you know it's a delicate situation. Yeah. A lot of people take. Take the security of, of of the way Canada operates and the United States operate as as a given in their lives, and and for decades that's essentially been the case. Yeah. Now it seems to have been shaken up a little bit, and yeah. uh, it needs it needs to be uh, reset. So you know what's going on now is it intrigues me, and that's it. I was just watching normally. Uh, what was going on and that's what led to me writing whatever the, the lyric is in that song Yeah, it may be it would just pass through the way it is now and become a memory or it might actually get more attention
4: yeah.
3: Yeah. part of that has to do with what I do next so if I do something like I was describing earlier that has to do with uh, flying saucers and that whole subject you might remember this a couple of years ago Maybe even a little less than that. Some guy from Bakersfield, California, put on his Facebook page, as a joke, let's have a big gathering at Area 54 or 52 or whatever it's called. 51. And get together with the aliens and have a, a party or something. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands of people responded. and two or three weeks go by, and uh, it's 50,000, 60,000. Within three weeks, it was two or three million people were evincing interest in this thing. And I was in uh, England with uh, Neil, was playing. Neil Neil and uh, Bob Dylan were co headliners at this big deal in Hyde Park. Yeah. And the band is uh, Lucas Nelson and Promise of the Real. Yeah. Lucas is one of Willie's sons, uh, Lucas and Micah. Uh, are, are in that band, and uh, what a great band, anyhow. yeah. So we were in Hyde Park, and then a couple of days later, they played in uh, Kilkenny in Ireland. So Lucas Lucas, and I were talking about, I played him Hey America, which he had heard a version of previous to that, and he liked the song. Yeah. So I, we got in the, I, you know, we were talking about it, and he said, what are you going to do? And I said, Neil thinks I, should, I need a band. And he said, I'm in, we'll do it. And uh, so he we went in. I said, all right, Lucas, we've got to figure out your schedule. For where are we going to do this? So he's on the road all the time. It was really complicated. And then, uh, you know, the COVID thing started and the border gets restricted. And one thing, uh, we were going to meet in either Toronto or Vancouver and do the song there. And then the border got, it just got too complicated to do it. So there I was sitting there thinking, damn it, I wanted to do this. And, uh, and so eventually it happened. Yeah. yeah <laughs> That's yeah. where young Bob and Peter Burris came from, was out of that situation.
4: Right. So, you know,
3: it's, uh, I played the Flying Saucer song for Lucas. Oh, you did? We were looking around for his schedule in okay. his bus. He yeah. couldn't find the schedule. So I played Hey America, and he sang it with me, and he said to me, he said, the harmony sounded great. And I thought when I was singing it with him, I thought this sounds pretty good. He was singing with me. I wasn't singing with him. Lucas could really sing. If you wanted a perfect, he could do a perfect Willie Nelson, honest to God. Wow. If you heard Lucas sing by himself. It is, <laughs> There is if there's a difference, I can't hear it. Wow. At any rate, I sang the Flying Saucer song for Lucas from one end to the other. And uh, I looked at him in the bus. There was a guitar sitting there, so I picked it up. And I said, listen to this thing. Tell me what you think. So I played it, and I said, what do you think? He looked at me. and said, "I'm stupefied." That's, what, that's actually what he did say. I'm stupefied. So we got off the bus, and I went and talked to whoever else was wandering around in the back station. And Lucas went straight to Neil, and I could sort of hear him, he was twenty feet away, talking about this flying saucer song. Neil had he'd either heard it then, or he heard it pretty soon afterwards. It's a story song, I yeah. think, is what Johnny Mitchell would call it. Right. She had story songs. This is a story song, but it's an interesting story.
1: So it's it's almost done. Like, is there? I was gonna. I have a couple more questions before we go. So like, uh, yep. you 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 know you you recorded and released "Hey America." What is the kind of recording status of the rest of the trilogy, if you will? Um, have you put those songs down yet in a in a form that could be released, or do you still have to do that?
3: What I have to do is sit down here by myself so that I can play the whole three songs one after another from end to end to my satisfaction. Then I can get a I have a friend who shoots it on her iPhone uh, or I can go to I have a friend who's got a studio in Peterborough I can go in there by myself I'll just lay the songs down and give them to everybody to listen to with the lyric sheet so that they can follow it and then when, when we're, everybody's comfortable with it we'll get together in this little place that we recorded A America in And that could work. Nice, could work well. Get in there and do three or four songs all at one time, and there they'd be. You know what happens with them after that is up to the you know the management group that figures out how to get this stuff out there. I'm very fortunate in that uh, regard because Neil's uh, management company, his relationship to Warner's and Reprise, those people really know what they're doing.
1: Right. Okay.
3: Hey, America came out. It went on Neil's website within 2 hours it was on rolling stone magazine site and youtube right and then and then it announced in a lot of places and there were people who heard it in europe and the uk australia you know there's a lot of comments on it and it's interesting no it's cool it sounds and, well, yeah so I'll, I'll take another shot at it because from my perspective it's i'm entertained by it <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's a,
1: it should be fun i'm entertained by myself. Yeah, it should be fun. It should be fun. It well, be. yeah. To, to, to wrap up here, I alluded to the fact that your your brother just celebrated a, a milestone birthday, 75. I know it must be uh, strange for you as his family, as his brother, to have much, uh, an objective perspective on this, I should say. But can you articulate what you think the significance of your brother's work has been culturally uh, for Canadians, what have you like is it possible i know i also i assume you don't want to gush too much about your own brother but i'm just curious what is your perspective on that as a family member like in terms of being proud of him or just like astonished by him what is your take on how successful he's been in the role he plays and has played in music and culture
3: well i mentioned earlier the atmosphere of our uh childhood and the people that were in, or were close family friends and the fact that we were all grew up in an atmosphere where we were paying attention to what was going on. As a writer, I understand why Neil's writing songs would include Ohio Keep rocking in the Free World and a lot of other songs he's got six, seven, eight hundred songs so there's a lot of songs there they aren't all. You know, have with, don't all have political overtones to them, but there's there's Ohio and Keep rocking in the Free World and uh, Alabama. I see where that's coming from. I, I understand that part of it. And then there's all this other stuff, which is personally just a really good writer. But he learned to write. He could just, it, it, that's what happened. He played the guitar when he was a kid. He just kept playing it, playing it, and playing it and writing. And uh, his songwriting He's one of a handful of people that came out of the, the baby boom generation, the hippies and all of them, who really had something to say that resonated with a lot of people. Joni Mitchell's another one. And uh, there are others too, you know, that, that, are, that have make significant contributions. I remember riding in a car one time in Toronto from Bernie Fiedler's uh, apartment behind Maple Leaf Gardens and Fiedler on the riverboat. Joni had been playing. In the riverboat, and then we all got together at Fiedler's apartment, and Lightfoot had an apartment, and the Gordon had a, an apartment in the same building. So we're all cruising around over there. And then when we left, Johnny was staying at a the Waldorf, I think, just off Bloor Street in in in, in uh, Toronto, and I was north of there, up near Castle. Luma. so we rode in the same cab, and we were talking about it. And uh, uh, Joni, I mentioned the song that she wrote about. The, but she had Neil in mind when she wrote the song, and uh, we were talking. And she said, "You know, Neil and I have a lot in common. You know, a lot of similarities. They're both Scorpios. They both had polio when they were children. Mm-hmm. They both survived it, and they were both wrote a significant body of work. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's you know that's sustained." over all these years, so somebody like you brings it up. Gives <laughs> you <It's laughs> something to talk about. Yeah. But it's a fact. I mean, Neil Stature internationally is he's a big, big audience in, in North America and big in Europe and elsewhere. It's his song rating. That's in my view, it's the creative, the substance of the of these songs, the lyrical vibe the relevance to people's lives. That's what sticks in the mind of people and makes, uh, Dylan. and Dylan and Neil are friends. As a matter of fact, I didn't, I knew they knew each other, but you know, there, there's a respect, uh, you know, of, uh, of a writer's respect for other writers. Hmm. So when you those two shows that I was talking about with in Hyde Park and this other place in Ireland called Kilkenny, Neil and, and Dylan were the co headliners for both those shows, yeah, and you know, it was really interesting, you know, watching how, how that works. And uh, I've seen a lot of people play, and I'm fortunate from my perspective. I mean, I have on the tours uh, all area access to everything and no responsibility. <laughs> it's a good way, <laughs> to play.
1: you know, I've seen I like this,
3: traveling that's a good thing,
1: yeah. I've seen your brother play, I don't know, 20. 20- Times or something like that. I've seen Bob Dylan play seventy times or something like that. They they mean a lot to me. Um, Did you interact? Have you ever interacted with Mr. Dylan by any chance?
3: I've never. We've never met.
1: I see, but he he hangs out with. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He hangs out with your brother sometimes.
3: Well, I I know occasionally they socialize, and uh, Neil has a lot of respect for Bob Dylan, and, and in some respects, I think that Dylan preceded Neil into this situation and I think in a, if anybody's Neil's hero, it would be Bob Dylan.
1: Yeah, well, I, I appreciate uh, all of this, uh, Bob and uh, if people want to learn more about Hey America, uh, people who are listening, uh, where would you want to send them?
3: They can go to YouTube and uh, I guess you go on YouTube and then in the search thing or under music or something put in Young Bob and the Peter Burrs you can hear that song. And, and the other sites... Spotify and uh, the rest, I don't know.
1: Okay. It's out there. The song is out there is the point.
3: I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. I yeah. hope it stays out there for a while longer.
1: Yeah. Now, if we uh, can can we go out on, uh, can we play that song for people right now on the show? Do you mind? Go can, ahead. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Oh, you can play it. All <laughs> <listen>. <laughs> we'll play the recorded version of it uh, for people so they can check out uh, Hey America uh, by Young Bob and the Peterborough Young Bob
3: and the Peterborough
1: Young Bob and Young the Peterborough.
3: that's right yeah.
1: <laughs> that's right Young Bob and the Peterboroughs now uh, with uh, Hey America Bob Young this is a, a real pleasure thank you for this time and I wish you the best of luck with everything and we look forward to hearing more music from you
3: I enjoyed the conversation thank you you good Adam? okay I'll just start <laughs>
5: Hey, America! Give love a chance. Every generation has songs to sing. Let them sing, let them sing. All humanity has flags to fly. Fly them high, fly them high. Brothers and sisters of the light, shine a bright. Take up that torch, who would speak out? Have no doubt, have no doubt. Hey, America give love a chance. It's the beacon of freedom. Set your liberty free. Set your liberty free. God's song.
1: I tell you, it's been very nice to connect a little bit with Bob Young over the last uh, couple of months, and it was uh, very, very fun to have him on this, the 590th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and available wherever it is you get your podcasts, all of the major platforms, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, these things. Uh, if you can't find a specific episode that you've heard about, you're looking for it, it's not on any of those things, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website vishkana.com You can also like Creative Control I always hesitate to say this at the end of the show now. uh, It's on Facebook There's a Facebook page, but I don't like Facebook You can like it on Facebook just to keep tabs on the show if you like, but uh, you can also follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative or follow me directly at vishkana I'm also at vishkana on Instagram so you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Vishkana, and uh, that's just one way to keep tabs on what's going on with me and the show also please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going uh, those uh, donations really do help and I've uh, received a, a few of them uh, recently new, new uh, donors recently as I'm speaking to you which is really nice uh, again you can donate whatever you want every month you can change it too if you start out at five dollars you can switch it to three or you can go up to ten whatever you want to do six dollars or more it gets you access to exclusive content uh, that i post on the show uh page of the patreon page from time to time and uh yeah so if you sign up now i believe if all goes well you should be able to access the 10 or 11 episodes of exclusive content that are currently up as i'm speaking to you and there'll be more at least once a month so uh yeah that's the deal go to patreon.com slash creative control learn more about how you can support this show thanks again to pizza trocadero the bookshelf and Planet bean coffee in Guelph and granddad's donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show thanks too to my uh, friend Jim Guthrie who lets me use some music of his on the show you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org and finally thank you thank you for listening to this episode But uh, you know, featuring myself and Bob Young thank you Bob for being on the show and uh yeah everyone else if you if you enjoyed this I, and you've never heard the show before i hope you'll check out the back uh, catalog of episodes and uh maybe subscribe to the show tell your friends about the show follow the show whatever it is you need to do you could do also you don't have to do anything there's no obligation here but i just wanted to say thanks to, for listening to this and i will talk to you very soon bye for now